I'm gonna try to record with this thing. You, you guys know every. I don't know why every time I record myself, I get super nervous. But I'm gonna try to overcome that. All right. All right. Cool. So in John chapter 21, we we find this interesting story um, where Jesus comes to Peter and says, "If you love me, take care of my sheep. Take care of my flock." But there's something very interesting at the very end that Gina read. And I like your translation uh, a little better, um, where it said, um, when you were young, can you read that? I think it's 18. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, but when you are old, you were to stretch out your hands to others who will dress you and take care of you, and take you where you don't want to. So it's very interesting because when we see this, we see something that we call growth. In the life of everybody, there is growth. And so one of the things that the Lord has put in my heart is that the only way we will grow and the only way people grow is if you eat. Um, if you stop eating, what happens? Die. You're going you're gonna to die out. And you're not going to grow. That's why you'll see pastors, you'll see other people, usually it's older people that they say, you know, right? because it's always eating and growth goes hand in hand. And one of the things that the Lord has been putting in my heart is teach the word and teach practical principles of the word more than just doctrine. Because if we're able to understand what the word is trying to tell us, then that's what's going to sustain us. Now, doctrine is very important, but the word is going to sustain us. And so today I want to teach, I guess you could say the second part of the message that I preached. I think it was two, two weeks ago where I shared three things um, that trials produce. You guys remember what's the first thing? Um, what was the first point? What does a trial or a test or hard times, what does it do? It confirms what's already inside of me. It could be something good. It could be something bad. And so, so hard times, what they do is they come and they challenge who you think you are, who you think you believe in, what you say you are. It challenges all of that. And so at the end of the day, it could be very well that you have deposited your faith in the Lord, or it could be that you haven't deposited your faith in the Lord. One of the most interesting things that you'll see happen amongst Christians is that people love Jesus because they think they're going to either A, be put on stage to sing, or B, um, they're going to ask you to be uh, to to teach something and so as long as everything's going according to your plan you're happy you're okay but the moment that God takes something away and things don't go according to your plan that's when every everybody freaks out and that's when you're really challenged do you still have the same attitude do you still have the same faith do you still say hi to people the same way that you did when you thought everything was going according to how you wanted to go and so what do hard times do they confirm what's inside of you they tell you what's inside of you it's a mirror the second thing what is the purpose of hard times it's to glorify Jesus we talked about it Jesus before he goes to the cross he says the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and I told you guys a story about when I was at CFNI and I didn't have any food it was about three days and I did a, a, a un ayuno forzado and then the, the, the hermanos from the church called me and they bought all these things for us and so it was something very small but the reason for that was to glorify God because every hard time, the purpose of that is so that God may get the glory. It's not because God wants to see you uh, defeated. It's not because the devil's just attacking you just because you have to understand that everything has a purpose. And the third thing that we talked about was what should our attitude be in the midst of hard times, in the midst of trials? And our attitude should be worship. 
Worship, only a couple remember, so I'm going to have to preach this message all over again. What should your attitude be in our times? Worship. 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 There's nothing that's going to get you across a hard moment than worship. And that's the last thing people want to do when they're going through a heartbreak. It's the last thing people want to do when they're, growing, when they're going through a tough situation. It's the last thing people want to do when everything is not going according to plan. When you don't have any money, you don't know what's going to happen. Your parents are talking about divorce. Uh, uh, if you have a job, uh, it seems like they're going to, to fire you. And you don't know where you're going to get the money from. You don't know what's going to happen. It's the hardest thing to do, but it's the only thing that's going to get you a response. It's the only thing that... That's going to bring something and develop something not only inside of you, but it's also going to allow God to bring something to your front doorstep. And all you have to do is worship, but worship genuinely. Don't worship just because, oh, I was told to worship. Worship genuinely. And when you worship, you deposit that pain into the presence of God because Jesus said, come to me all those who are tired and weary and I will give you rest. So what happens when you're going through a tough time, a tough situation, you bring that situation before the presence of God and then Jesus takes that, but he doesn't leave you alone. He exchanges it for rest. Now you have rest in your heart. Now you have peace in your heart. And I'll tell you something, people always say, well, I've been praying, but I, I just, uh, for some reason, I, I, I just feel like God can't hear me and I'm praying and praying. But let's be honest, whenever you pray, you don't actually really pray enough. What I mean by this is, is the following. Um, just last week, I was feeling a certain way. It was, it was really weird and I hadn't felt that way in a while. So then I went to the presence of God and I started praying. And I prayed and I said, I'm only going to pray about 10 minutes. That's all it should take. So I literally, I just prayed, it was like 15 minutes. And then I got up. And then I went about the rest of my day, but I, that still would not leave. And I said, but I prayed. But then I went back to prayer and I said, this time I'm going to pray until I feel the peace of God, the presence of God. So I prayed longer. And then it wasn't until I felt this note of victory in my heart. It wasn't until I felt this peace that came over me. It wasn't until I felt the presence of God come over me that I felt that I could finally get up. And that is what you should do. That's how you should pray. Until you feel that you finally deposited everything that you were carrying in your heart in the presence of God. Because that's the only way you're going to get through. The problem is, is we don't pray enough. We have a problem and we go to God and you think it's just like a routine. One, two, three. Okay, I prayed. I was here 10 minutes. That should be enough. But no, God is not interested so much in hearing your prayer. He's interested much more in you being able to learn to deposit your problem, your trial, your situation, the way you're feeling into his presence. And then he showers you with his presence. And then you're able to get up and go about your day the way you're supposed to. That's what it means to put all of your trust in him, to deposit all of your problems in him. Eso lo que significa depositar tu ansiedad y tus cabras sobre Jesús. Because then he gives you rest. So pray until something changes in your heart. And sometimes you might just get on your knees or lay down and you start crying and crying. It may just take one or two minutes. You're like, oh man, I, I feel a lot better. Sometimes it may take 30 minutes. Sometimes it may take an hour. I remember one time I was praying and it took me an hour and a half until I finally felt like a green light from God that, hey, here's the peace you need for the day. Here's the joy that I'm going to give you. And I finally got up and I was like, man, that took a while. Why? Because it's never going to be the same amount of time. But not only just pray when you're going through hard times, but pray so that it prevents you from going through hard times. 
It's one of the biggest things is, I don't know why I'm talking about prayer. This has nothing to do with what I planned. But, who whistle? <laughs> but, um, yes, we go. You guys um, Yeah, prayer. Yeah, pray, pray. So, um, you, you pray. Not only when you're going through hard times, because that's the number one thing that Christians do. You ever been around people? ¿Alguien tiene una petición, oración, o podemos orar por usted? The response is always, no, todo está bien. So is prayer only when things are going bad? Unfortunately, that's how most Christians see prayer. That you only pray when things are going wrong. But let me tell you something. When you pray, even when things are going okay, in those moments, what you're doing is you're sowing seeds in advance. Because when you pray, when everything's going okay, it's going to prevent you from going through hard times. It's going to prevent you from going through tough situations. Now, you'll still go through tough situations, but just not as much. That's why Jesus said the following. When he goes to the disciples and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and it's his last prayer, he goes to the disciples, the disciples are sleeping, and then he tells them, you couldn't even pray one hour at least? And, and that's where we get the minimum that a Christian should pray, at least one hour. And so then Jesus says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now that word temptation can be uh, translated into literal temptation. It can also be translated into a, a hard time, a moment of test or trial. Pray so that you don't enter into hard times. Pray so that you don't enter into temptation. He did not say pray so that temptations don't come. He said pray so you don't enter into temptations. Why? Because when you pray, it's also going to help you avoid tough times. It's going to help you avoid temptation. It's going to keep you living in victory as long as you keep praying. And you can't let go of prayer. You can't let go of it. You can't let go of worship. That's the only thing that's going to help you push through. It's the only thing that's going to take you to victory. Having the word of God, having worship in your heart and prayer, communication with God. That's the only way you're going to get there. And so uh, I don't know how I got here, but let me go to the message. So uh, tough times. What do tough times produce in us? I want, to, I want to teach, I guess you could say it's the second part of that message, but I want to talk about two things that problems produce in us because raise your hand if you've ever gone through a problem, a situation, a tough time, a trial, all of us, everybody goes through them, but there's a purpose behind it. I absolutely hate when people say, well, es que Dios hay todas las cosas. Duh, he's God. What are you trying to say? Well, es que Dios tiene un propósito. Yeah, the problem is, is people don't know. People don't know what his purpose is. Well, just God. God lets things happen for a reason. Yeah. What is that reason? And so I want to I wanna read a couple of scriptures um, to you today. But the first question is, what do trials produce in us? So we've seen what trials, um, the purpose of a trial is, one of the purposes, what our attitude must be, and also what are the trials and hard times tell us about us. But what do they actually produce in us? Number one, let's go to James chapter one. James chapter one and verse two and four. If you want these verses, I can get these verses available to you um, on the church app maybe tomorrow because I didn't do it today. I didn't think anybody would actually. Does anybody actually look at that? The app? You get Okay, you get Okay, well, I'll do it for one person, two people, three people, four, five, six, seven. Okay, well, all right, I'll put them up there tomorrow. All right. So, Santiago capítulo 1, versículo 2. James chapter one, verse two, all the way to verse four. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It, it, this makes no sense. 
Eh, tener por sumo gozo. En otras palabras, tener una alegría. Count it all joy when you're going through a tough situation. Why? Because there's a purpose behind that. And we're going to see what happens. It says, uh, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces, in the English Standard Version, it says steadfastness. In other translations, it says patience. In other translations, it says endurance. And let that steadfastness or endurance have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. So what do trials produce in us? What do they actually do? Aside from producing this endurance, they sanctify us. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be made more like Jesus. That's what it means. Before, because I grew up in church and because my father's a pastor, I remember growing up and I was living the perfect life. You know, I ain't never smoked, I ain't never drank. I, I haven't done all these things like all you other sinners. And it was so easy for me to judge people. It was so easy for me to judge. I never, I've, I've never cursed in my life. I've, nothing, none of that stuff. I can't relate. People will be like, you know, I just feel so depressed. Can't relate, man. I just all joy. I'll just, uh, I'm a heartbroken. Can't relate. I'm, I love Jesus too much. And, and it was so hard for me to, to have compassion with people. But as years went by, I went off to Bible school, and after Bible school, I remember the first, I think it was either the first or second semester, it was within the first year of Bible school. I fell into this deep depression. I had no idea what it was, because nobody talked about depression back then. I just knew it, many, it means like you're sad, but you're sad times 10. You know, that's, that's what it meant. So I remember waking up in the mornings and hopping in the shower, and then it's, you know, the water's going, it's just como las películas, you <laughs> you start crying and I was like why am I crying I'm not going through any tough situations I'm in Bible school where the presence of God is I'm about to go worship my heart out for 35 minutes and I'm sitting here crying why I have no idea I couldn't explain it I didn't know what was going on and then after that that produced other things in me and then it produced insecurity and then I went through a moment where I, after I graduated Bible school that's why just going to Bible school or, or, or preparing yourself to serve the Lord in ministry doesn't mean that you're going to be 100% after that the Lord's going to come test you not the Lord I'm sorry the, the, the devil's going to come attack you but the Lord he'll probably allow some tests but the devil's going to come attack you then I had a moment where my faith was lacking and I fell like I, I was away from church I, I, I would come on Sundays and Wednesdays, but I was the first one to leave. I didn't say hi to anybody. I was just, I, I didn't want to be here. And so I was living apart from the Lord. And because of that, after the Lord restored me and forgave me of my sin and gave me another opportunity, now two things happen. Number one, I'm grateful for any great opportunity that happens. I remember coming back from North Carolina. It was about midnight. I just dropped off Kevin and... Um, and, and we were listening to that word in the car. Do you, do you remember? I was like, bro, I remember this, man. This is crazy. And so then I dropped him off. And then I, I, I played that word again. And I remembered what the Lord told me 10 years ago. And what I had lost. But now it was like the Lord was reminding me what I told you you lost. I'm restoring to you again. It's like, Lord, I'm so thankful. But the second thing that happened is that there was patience and compassion that was produced for people in sin because now I know what it's like to be away from God I know what it's like to struggle in your faith I know what it's like that you want to believe so bad but just something's holding you back and so now it was so different why because 
the trial, what it did to me in those years is it began to sanctify me. It began to make me more like Jesus. Now, did I have to go through that moment? No, absolutely not. But because of the hardness of my heart, God allowed me to go through that. That now I may love people. That now I may have compassion for people. So what do trials do? What do they produce in us? They produce not only endurance to keep believing, but also love, compassion for the lost, compassion for the sinner. Now you ain't going to catch me going up to a sinner and be like, hey, hey man, you want to accept Jesus? No, right, you're going to hell. Next. That would, have been, that would have been me, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Not anymore. But it also produces something called endurance and patience. And that is also another thing that we see that so many Christians love. And let me tell you why. You'll go to church. Nobody says hi. You're like, yeah, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. They just they say they love people, but man, nobody, nobody comes to say hi. Whatever. You have no endurance. You, you, have you ever? Have you ever? Uh, do you have friends that don't go to the gym at all? I mean, you could just point at me, but I I, I do kind of work out. I have endurance. I have that. My brother and I we went to go jog one day at um, Waterloo Park, and so we went out there, and uh, and so he says, man. Uh, are you going to jog the whole thing? I said, I don't even know how far this thing is. I said, but that's the plan. He said, well, you have more endurance than I do. And I was like, nah, you're my brother. You know, he's like, no, you did sports all your life. You have more endurance. I was like, yeah, except you're, look, even my cousin's like, really? Yes, really. And so, so I was like, okay. And he goes, so you're able to run longer and you don't, you don't, you don't stop as quick. So I was jogging, and then he just took off. I, I'm sending a text message, and then I look up, and he's like halfway, and I was like, dude. So I, I put my headphones in and just took off, and I was like, man, this is long. I wanted to give up, but I was like, no, he said I have endurance. I, I, I can't, can't let my brother lie. So I, I'm running, I'm running like, Lord, have mercy. And then I see him, and then he stops, and, I, and when I see him stop, I'm like, come on, man. He's like, I'm tired. I was like, okay. And I kept going and going and going. And I almost got to the end, and then I came back, and then I met with him. He said, man, see, you have endurance. That's something you've always had. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, man, you're not quick to give up. And that spoke to me. You want to know why? Because there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians and believers who give up so easily. They give up so easily. You go through a tough time. You go through a tough situation. Things all of a sudden, you thought you were going to be the next one, and then they chose the person next to you like, I don't know. I just... I don't know, you know, just my faith is just going through this tough situation. They just chose somebody else. You don't know the big picture. They're probably waiting to choose you for something greater or bigger, but we give up so easily. Just, you know, I don't know. It's, I just think, I, I'm, I know I'm 17, but I can't find nobody. I think I'm just going to be single the rest of my life. You're 17 years old. Just, I, I don't know. I can't find a job. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe God just... He just wants me to live by faith. <laughs> and we, we have no endurance. But that's what trials do. And tough times, they produce endurance in us. And they develop this love for people and compassion for people. One of the biggest things, for some reason, that I see in this generation is such a negativity. I just, you know, I just can't stand people. They're just, you know... What, no, you, you don't. You're adopting behaviors that you see on social media. And everybody else around you adopts those same behaviors so you think it's something normal. So now you think it's something normal to be by yourself and to be secluded and not be able to relate to people. And so you start to adopt these things. And what these things do is they don't produce endurance. You have no endurance. And that's why you see so many relationships 
In so many marriages, they'll divorce two to three years. There's no endurance. Relationships that don't last, there's no endurance. In relationships among Christian people, what happened? I thought you guys were close. Yeah, we were close, but what happened? Ah, uh, you know, just unas cositas, unas cosillas. Like what? Well, it's que, you know, I don't know. We just kind of drifted apart. How? And you can't put your finger on it, but what happened is you had no endurance. And that's why some of the worst people to have relationships and friendships are people in the church because you will over-spiritualize things. And Jesus came so that he may set an example to us. And Jesus will never ask you to do something that he didn't already do. Among his 12 people, do you think Judas was faithful to him for those three and a half years? Or do you think it was the first time that he betrayed Jesus? Have you ever done something for the first time and before you do it, you're just like super nervous, like, I, I don't know. Like, like Daniel, I, I, I texted Daniel on Monday, I said, hey man, um, I'd like for you to open up service. He's like, I, I don't know, man. Um, I don't know. I was like, well, I'll take that as a yes. He's like, well, I don't know. And then I texted him today, I said, hey man, you ready? He's like, I guess so. It's about as ready as I'm going to get. He's just nervous. But he went up there, he did great. I just called him a niño predicador. He was up there bringing, bringing fire from heaven. I was like, man, you're over there casting demons out on stage. And like, but it's the first time that he does it. Now, maybe the next time he might get a little nervous. But after a couple of years, he's not going to be as nervous as he was the first time. So my question to you is, Judas betrayed the Son of God. Do you think it was the first time he ever betrayed him? Do you think it was the first time? Que le faltó el respeto a Jesús. Do you think there were other moments that led up to that? I believe there were. But you know what? Jesus had endurance. And he forgave Judas time and time again. And I'll tell you that he would be even willing to forgive Judas after he betrayed him. The problem was that Judas didn't repent. Because Jesus had patience, endurance with those 12 disciples. Do you know how old Jesus was? He was 30 years old. Do you know how old the disciples were? They were teenagers. They were 17, 18, 19. Maybe Peter was 21 or older. You know how much patience and endurance it takes to be around 12 young people like that? I love you guys. But Jesus set an example. So when you go through a tough situation, it produces endurance. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17, it says, The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and the Lord tests hearts. Why is this important? This is very important. Because when you understand who we are in Christ, and when you understand that you're being put through a hard time or a test or a trial, you understand your identity in Christ, then you understand that that tough time or trial comes with a purpose. It comes with a purpose. Proverbs said, for silver, the crucible. And the furnace is for what? Gold. Notice that it didn't say the crucible is for gold, but when you're filtering when, when you're preparing silver, it has a different workflow than gold. When you're getting rid, rid of all of the 
imperfections and impurities of silver, it has a different workflow than gold. And you have to understand that you're a child of God, that you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God. And because of that, and you understand that you are His children, that you're going to be put through the fire. Why? Because there is a purpose to your life. Because there are people here who do have a calling to ministry. So the way that God's going to prepare you is going to be different than the way He's going to prepare somebody who He's called to have a business career or some other different type of career. Everybody's going to be formed differently. But you have to first understand who you are in Christ. Now you're going to understand, well, this didn't just come by chance. This has a purpose. And I, I have to pass this test. And it's not until you pass those tests that God promotes you to the next level. Like there are people that I see here and that I talk to that I know that you have not only the passion, but you have the understanding for business. But guess what? God's not going to give you a business because you still don't know how to take care of your room. And so the Bible says it this way. If you're faithful in the little things, he's going to put you in the big things. So if you don't know how to take care of your room, you think you know how to take care of a business? You don't know how to take care of the small friendships or relationships you have, how are you going to take care of the employees? So then God begins to filter you and to put you through this test of, of heartbreak and hard times. And then after that, you come out understanding the importance of, uh, of sharing time, of speaking life over people and not just seeing people as still a benefit to yourself, but seeing every individual as a son and daughter of Christ. And then the Lord says, now you're ready, I'll give you the business. Because everything must be processed. Amen? Amen? The Bible says in Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, go ahead and, and pull it up. As you're pulling up, I'll tell you the story. Unless we are processed by God through tough times and trials, we're going to break. I remember being in Mexico. And uh, I was in, in El Def, when I was called, uh, what do they call it? La Ciudad de Mexico. They don't call it El Def anymore. La Ciudad de Mexico. Same thing. Um, so I remember being there, and they have these, like, uh, los metros, but it's this thing that goes above the city because there's so much traffic. You can't drive every single day. So every person, you know, they give you a certain type of license plate, and according to the color, you can drive on Mondays, you know, and Tuesdays. Or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So multiple people have multiple cars so they can drive every day. But even then, there's just so much traffic. So then they built this metro that goes above all the traffic. And when they built it, they built it so fast that people were curious. And they said, I don't think that thing's safe. They said, no, it's safe. We use a different technology. And it was built in just a matter of months. And everybody said, ah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So after some time that people started using that metro to transport to and from work, what ended up happening is they started noticing some inconsistencies. And so they brought it up to the government and they brought it up to the builders, the, the contractors, and they said, no, everything's fine. Everything's okay. And so after a couple of months of people saying, man, that thing is going to fall. That thing is going to hurt people. What ended up happening is in the middle of the day during rush hour, that thing broke. It came crashing down and it killed so many people. It didn't just hurt one person. It killed multiple people. And it came crashing down. And so when they were telling me that whole story, because I saw where it used to be, it looked really cool, but it looked terrible too um, at the same time. And so I remember asking questions about it, and they told me that. And you know, what happens is something very similar to our lives. That's the reason why God won't give us things before time. God won't give you things until you're ready. 
Because if God gives you something and entrusts you with a ministry or with a business or with a relationship or somebody else's heart, what's going to end up happening is that you're not only going to hurt yourself, but you hurt so many other people because you weren't ready to receive that. You weren't ready for the pressures. That's why God won't give you ministry until you're ready because ministry is full of pressures. It's full of pressure. God won't give you a family. Why? Because it's full of pressure. There's tons of pressure. But until you allow God to form you the correct way and you're able to maintain those pressures, then you'll be able to function and live out the purpose that God has for you. And so I remember thinking about that metro and I said, Lord, don't allow my life to be that way. But you know what? Even if you fail at some point in life, there is still mercy from God. There is still forgiveness from God. And Jesus, that's why he says, come to me if you're tired and weary, I'll give you rest. Because although you might have failed at something, maybe you thought you were going to succeed in a relationship or in, in, in a career path or whatever it may be, and you didn't, or you failed at something as simple as you failed seventh grade, you're like, oh man, I got to repeat it. I don't want to tell you to go away from me. Some people may laugh, but the Lord's going to give you another opportunity. And you get to retake seventh all over again. <laughs> so there's mercy from God. But the second thing that I want to read to you, it's Acts. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, and I'll finish with this. Uh, verse 21. The Bible says the following. It says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. What is the second thing that trials do and that hard times produce in us? Trials, the purpose of them in our lives is to push us to enter the kingdom of God. How many people have you met in life? I've met many of these people. Maybe you haven't, but you will. That the only reason they got close to God was because of a tough situation they were going through. I remember there was a guy years ago, started coming out of the blue. He used to talk trash about the church. He started coming out of the blue, and I was like, hey, man, it's good to see you. But it's kind of awkward. Thank you. This isn't a bar. This is a church. And so he's like, oh, yeah, no, I just I want to get close to God. But then I noticed he only came by himself. So then I went to him and I asked him, Man starts crying. There's like there's this video that I see it on Instagram and the guy's like, Yeah, don't want Tomas. That's kind of what the guy was going through. He's like, I don't want Tomas. And I was like, okay, so that's why you came to church. So you came to church. Gave his life to the Lord. He was serving. He was serving the Lord. And I was like, oh, hasta levantaba las manos. The wife came back. The Lord restored the marriage. And then he was gone. And then a couple of years later, another thing happened. This time it was for his health. And so this guy came back. He didn't come to our church. Went to another church. He got close to the Lord again because of the sickness that his hit his son. Uh, his body came to his wife, with his kids, gave his life to the Lord again, got baptized, and guess what? He's still in church today. Why? Because what trials do and tribulations do is they not only perfect us and sanctify us, but they push us to get into the kingdom of God. 
And there are people who you're like, ah, you know, the whole God thing is cool. It's, it's great, God. It's, you're like, quita lejitos. God's going to push you in because I promise you that there are people here that are praying for you. Even with the youth leadership, we, we pray for everybody. I pray for everybody. And then when I, when, I, when I remember, okay, I haven't seen this person, I haven't seen this person, Señor, tráelos, por favor, tráelos a garotazos, o tráelos con amor, pero tráelos, Señor, en el nombre de Jesús. And then a couple months pass by, and then I see them, I'm like, eh, all right, well, thank you. Love you. Because there are people that are praying for you. You might ask yourself, why? ¿Por qué tantos problemas? ¿Por qué tantas tribulaciones? ¿Por qué tengo que pasar por esto? Because God wants you in a place, and until you're in that place, God is going to bring you one way or another. But God is so patient that He's going to take His time. And so, uh, I'll use Pablo as an example. I don't, I don't mean to embarrass you, but how, how long ago did you start coming? About two years. Pablo started coming about two years. And I remember when Pablo first came, he came with his AirPods, and I was like, I don't want nothing to do with church. I was like, he's going to hate me, but whatever. So I went to him, and I was like, hey, man, how's it going? And then later he told me, you know, I talked to him, and I was like, oh, what's your name? Pablo was like, okay, well, I'm not. He's like, okay, cool, nice to meet you. And then after some time, uh, he told me, he's like, hey, bro, can I tell you something? I said, yeah, what's up? He goes, man, I didn't like you at first. I was like, man, deuce flex, you know? No, I'm kidding. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I almost wanted to say, like, tell me something I don't know. You know, half the people don't like me, but it's okay. No, and then... um. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, because I thought you were just coming to say hi to me just because, like, oh, that's what church people do. He's like, but then you would always come say hi to me. I was like, oh, yeah. He goes, and then I was like, okay, I guess he's cool. And I was like, wow, man. So then you were, you were all right. And I was like, well, you're all right, right? We we're having some romance that moment. And, and, so, and so then I remember, I think I preached or somebody preached. He came to the front. I prayed for him. And, and, and I was like, hey, man, can I give you a hug? And then give a hug. And then I went home and I just, I would pray for him. And the Lord told me, have patience because I'm going to work in him. Have patience, have patience. Then I would invite him on Wednesdays. I'll see if I can go. I said, see, I'm going to say that's like a, that's a soft no thanks. <laughs> and then Chris got saved. And then I was like, Chris, tell Pablo to go. He's like, yeah, bro, I'm going to give him a go. You let me go. You let me go. You know? And then like, Chris, give him a go. And so he's like, es que no quiere, es que no quiere. I was like, all right, we're going to pray for him. He's like, I'm praying for him. I was like, we're going to pray for him. The Lord's going to, he's going to hear our prayer. And guess what? Time has gone by. Now let me ask you this and be completely honest. Pablo, what you do now and how you think now. I'm not saying you're perfect because we're not perfect. But coming to church and all of that, is that something that you would have thought you would have been doing two years ago? Absolutely not. But what happens is you pray and you pray. And then God allows certain situations in your life that begin to push you into the kingdom of God. So we, we, I think we had breakfast, was it, one day at breakfast? And, and we had a conversation for a while. And he started telling me certain situations in his life. And I was like, inside I was like, wow. But inside my heart, I was like, yes, God. He's like, keep doing your thing, Jesus. Why? Because hard times and tribulations, what they do is they push you into the kingdom of God. So I want to close here. There's a lot more that I, I need to, uh, that I want to share. Maybe next Wednesday I'll share. Um, but what's the first thing? What do trials produce in us? What do they make us? They sanctify us. They perfect us. They produce endurance. They produce love. They produce compassion. The second thing is that they push us into the kingdom of God so that we may be saved. So anytime you go through a hard time, just know, number one, God is going to get the glory somehow. Secondly, Lord, am I lacking in something? Do you need me to do something? What do you want to produce in me? 
because that is what God uses to mold us. Sent to you. I want to pray for you.